Shall we begin? Let's begin now. This is Dan Hughes of San Antonio Silver Stars, and you are listening to Dishing and Swishing and enjoying every minute of it. Hi, everybody. It's David Siegel welcoming you to this week's Dishing and Swishing podcast. And, you know, our finals for the ages are now in the books, and we have the Minnesota Lynx as a new champion. Congratulations to them and to Cheryl Reeve and all of the players on the team, and, of course, to their fans. And the off-season doings are starting to happen. And it is a pleasure to welcome back to Dishing and Swishing, the guy that I've now spoken to as the head coach of San Antonio, as an analyst breaking down college games. And now he's back on Dishing and Swishing as the head coach of the Seattle Storm. It's a pleasure to welcome Dan Hughes back. Dan, how are you? I'm great, David. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Well, it's our pleasure always to talk to you. Now, here is first, let's get this out of the way, the most important question of anything. I know you can wear a fish tie, but can you catch a fish? <laughs> well, my mobility is not quite as good as it, as it, as it used to be, but uh, we'll, we'll work on it, David. Okay, because, you know, I have never seen a video of anybody related with the storm dropping the fish. I always see them get caught, so don't be the first there. Yeah. Well, I, I don't mean to brag, but, you know, my family has good hands. You know, my daughter was a setter, and my son's a basketball player at Air Force, and, and they actually have great hands. And so let's hope that dad can, can fulfill the expectations as well. Well, I don't want to put even more pressure on you, but, you know, now you got even more pressure on you because you're, now you've got the whole family. Uh, your name dropped there, so now they're counting on you to not drop the fish either. I know, and, and you know what, the, the, the most nervous I've ever been, David, was I, and with the, the Indians are opening up, uh, I'm, an, I'm a Cleveland Indians fan, and they had me throw out the first pitch, and, and I have never been as nervous anywhere. Now, catching the fish might, might, might rank right there with that, so we'll see. <laughs> well, just so you know, the questions just got about five times harder because I'm a Yankee fan. So okay, well, there you go, man. We're going at each other. I got, I got my Indian hat on, and I'm ready. So. Uh, we'll see what happens there. So, but uh, first, if you don't mind, let's ta- talk about the finals for a few minutes. Uh, just before we get into you know the new role, I I'll let you keep your analyst hat on for a few minutes. Uh, you know, it, it was a tremendous series. You know, when you were watching that, as you know, a, a former at the time and now current coach. What in particular jumps out at you that you saw that was something that maybe our regular fans didn't see as well? Well, I, I, I saw some things probably that your regular fans, oh, and then I'll, I'll go into it. I, I love the atmosphere of the playoffs. I mean, looking at that game last night, uh, looking at, at the, the support of, of, a, of a game five like that, the atmosphere, amazing. Amazing. And, uh, you know, we have some of those spots in the WNBA. I think I'm going to one in Seattle. It is pretty amazing uh, as far as if you got to that point, I think the support would be there. But I just, number one, as a fan watching, I thought the atmosphere yesterday was electric and really well supported by Minnesota. And you got to tip their hat uh, to the Lynx fans and, and to the community for doing that. In watching the game, uh, it was interesting to me how much 
both coaches relied on their starting units to deliver success in this. Um, you know, and um, both teams, as, as, they both had good benches, but the starting units were that good. Uh, they, they were, even though, you know, the, through the regular season, I think they both could play with some depth, probably Minnesota more than, than L.A., but in the finals, when they're going head-to-head, to me it was about going with the best five against the best five. Uh, and, you know, if you could keep those five on the floor, uh, that's what you needed to do uh, to be successful. They were that even, and, and the quality of the starting units was that good. That's interesting. In some ways, I was thinking about it last night, the injuries that Brunson and Whalen had during the season saved them a little bit, just like Tom Brady sitting out six games last year for the Patriots for the finals. They were a little bit fresher than they might have been otherwise. No question. Absolutely no question. The week off is a tremendous advantage, you know, when you finish 1-2. It gave Waylon a a week of practice going into play, you know, in regard to it. It gave healing possibilities to to veteran teams, which which they both are, you know, in regard to it. No 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 question uh, about it. And even yesterday with Nessa getting in foul trouble, I thought that probably had had an effect, you know, um, because uh, you know she's that powerful on the court. She's that good. So you took a look at these games and you watched these teams, and you still took a head coaching job in the Pacific. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> you know, you know, you, did you get hit by hit by a few too many balls in practice over time, Dan? Uh, I mean, you just signed on to 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 have them in your own conference. <laughs> I know, I know, isn't that? You know, ever since I, you know, I started in the East, I was an interim coach at Charlotte, and then I was a head coach at Cleveland. And I remember coming out west and thinking, ooh. This is this is a little different out here, and then coming here to San Antonio, obviously spending spending over a decade here. Uh, yeah, you sign on for that. But the only thing I would say is that that um, I think there's a couple pieces in Seattle which kind of feels like if I got to go up against them, I, I I've got some uh, some reinforcement of my own. Well, you definitely have some troops that are ready to take you take them on under your tutelage. Uh, let's talk about uh, the storm for a second. You know, you take a look at that roster. Uh, you know, you have one of the greatest, if not the greatest, point guard in WNBA history in Sue, and you've got two young Colts that are just really raring to go in Stewie and Jewel Lloyd. So, in particular, you look at that, and what do you see as your first challenge with your starting group of those? Starting with that group of those three. Well, the, the first thing I'm doing is is beginning a the player coach relationship and, and and trying to get a trust with them, um, you know, in regard to it because I I think they're good people. I I, I I think they they have talents that you spoke to, but they're also there's a decent chemistry that that I just view as a fan watching them, and now that I've I've really dived into watching them on tape. Now, it's, a, it, it's an offensive chemistry, and it's an offensive role delineation that I see. 
my first job is to put them in a, in a position to play out of their defense more. My next job would be to get them in time and score situations so that they can win close WNBA games. Because th- those, to me, are the areas that we can impact that would really help this team move from kind of the level they're at to the next level. And uh, we can impact that as we make choices on uh, to add to the roster, and we can make that kind of an emphasis when we get together in practice. You know, one of the things that has been frustrating to the Storm faithful, and I'm sure to the Storm management, was the inconsistency and the fact that you have teams like that that can look so good on some days and you know so bad on some other days. What is, as a coach, what is the primary way? What can you do other than shaking up the roster somewhat and putting in your systems? How do you eliminate some of that consistency? Inconsistency. What? Well, what I typically find is what you just described, which, which I think is accurate, is an offensive kind of role delineation and mindset. You know, and if you really study, I think championship basketball and that level, um, the consistency comes when the defense and the rebounding are in place. And I think that's something we have to pay attention to as we add to this team, and I think that's something that we have to pay attention to as we develop our mindset. Because uh, offensively, well, when the ball goes in the basket, you feel like, well, you've got this level to get to. But I don't care how good you are offensively, especially with the schedule and the way you have to move around and play and sometimes preparation type of things. You've got to be able to win those games where it's up, where, where the ball isn't going in the basket in just a flowing, consistent way. We've got to be able to win at two speeds. And that's been my experience in the WNBA, and that's what the good teams do. Or they can't find that offensive flow till late in the game, and yet they hang in. We have to be able to address that and bring that into the scope of how we play. Dan, for the Storm faithful, who you know are have earned their name, the Storm Crazies, they're one of the one of the greatest groups of fans in the WNBA. You know, they take a look at what's going on and they see these young players. And they take a look, and, and no disrespect intended, of course, with this, but they see you coming back, and they kind of shake their head a little bit and say, "Why didn't we? Go, why didn't we go after somebody young to coach the young players instead of bringing somebody who has been around and has coached in other places?" What would you say to them to immediately your first comment, other than "Give me a chance," to allay those fears? Well, I think. They want to live in the present. I mean, when I analyze this situation, they're not wanting me to come in and uh, say, okay, we got a three-year plan. You know, they want me to come in and hit the ground running. They want me to live in the present. And I think when you bring someone in that's got a little experience, and when you've got someone like me who – I could have just stayed doing what I was doing. I'm, I'm not doing this for any other reason that 
except that I want to be with this group. And they put me in a situation that I think fits me in life because I'm about the present right now, sis. I'm, I'm at an age where I'm not looking for, for a three- to five-year plan. I'm looking to be as good with this team next year as I can. And uh, that's the mindset, and that's the way I came across to them, and I think that's also where they're at. And I think that's why you take somebody who's got experience but is motivated for the present. Uh, and that's that's me. That's me where I'm at. I, I have always been in building situations, David, always, um, whether it was Cleveland, whether it was San Antonio. And even in San Antonio, I went towards building, and we had good teams, and then we retired, and then I went through some building. You know, for me to maximize where I'm at and my experience, I won the situation that was interested in being successful right now. Well, you took first time. Okay. any issues with not being a GM this team this time since you're looking to coach a team that is already on its way to the playoffs as opposed to building one? No. I, I, would, I was only interested in a place where I felt that I had harmony with the GM, and I did not want to be a GM. I just wanted all my energy to go towards coaching. And, but I wanted uh, someone that I saw as a GM who would, who would, I think, work well with me. And when I when I met Alicia, it just blew me away. Her thoughts were right on track. She's great. She doesn't. I don't need to be involved in any way except I'm I'm the coach, and and I wanted that. I, I had gotten to the point where. Uh, that's the part of the game I wanted to just focus on. I didn't, I didn't want the, the, the business aspect as much. I didn't want the acquisition of, of players and, and, cause that's a, that's a full-time job and I wanted somebody that, that, uh, like Alicia that I just felt so comfortable with and, and is that good that I can just look at it from a coaching standpoint. Cause I used to have to, do the GM, do the business thing, and then after the draft, I'd switch, you know, and I'd become the coach, and I'd look at things that way. I can look at things as a coach, and that's the only way I was going to do do uh, this type of opportunity in, in the future, and it just worked out perfect. Interesting that, you know, people with the, your experience, and like Brian Agler as well, had no problem after being in all those roles the uh, the experienced coaches don't mind giving up the GM and being coaches only, and the younger coaches are getting these GM jobs as well. I think that they're going to end up finding that it's quite an extra load. Well, yeah, and, you know, it took a long time to get to that, but by the end of my tenure at San Antonio, uh, whereas I thought it was an adv- advantage maybe at the beginning, it, at the end, um I, I what you said I found to be true, and I'm very very happy just to be basketball coach, and I'm very happy that I'm working with someone who I think is really good, and she's just going to take care of business, and I can really watch tape and do the things that are so meaningful to me right now. Any thoughts on your staff and the existing coaches? Yeah, I, I'm very impressed with the existing situation uh, as I get to know it. And uh, I, I'm going to start as I as I complete this staff. Obviously, I'm going to begin there. This is not a situation where where I think I'm bringing 
my people totally. It, it, it's more, I like what I see there in place. And so I'm, I'm very, and if that can help us kind of with a continuity standpoint, I'm very interested in continuing relationships with them. And then I'll balance the staff out. I like a diverse staff. I like having um, a staff that, that challenges the, each other in a certain way and also brings some some pathways to the players. So we'll, we'll try to balance it out, but I'm going to start first with what's in play. So, you know, to wrap things up, because I'll let you go, I know you have other commitments. What do you want to tell the Storm Crazies as they get ready to to look at what's going to happen in the off season and the college season and start to get excited for next year? What, what would be the message you want to send them to get things started? Well, my message would be, is number one, I'm excited about some of the pieces in, in place, you know. Um, and if if you start a statement out with Sue Bird as, as your leader and then you, you talk about Stewie and Jewel, uh, man, I, I, I get it. I, I, I'm not sleeping well right now, not because of anything but excitement. I'm, I'm, I'm not a great sleeper to start with, but I'm excited to, to continue the evolution of that. Um, I think we need to add to this group. And, and bring a lot of it back in, but add to in some ways that, that I think can be meaningful uh, in in our ascension to try to be in our quest to be the best. Uh, so there's an eye towards that a little bit, and I think that'll be exciting. I think, you know, oddly enough, you, you know, they, they won 15 games last year. They did make a playoff, but, but we made it as an eight seed. So you got the fifth pick. In what I think is going to be a regarded as one of the best drafts in the history of the WNBA, before it's done, I, I think this is a special year of some quality players coming into the WNBA, and so you're going to get a pretty good player at the five pick, kind of coming in. The other thing that I would say is that when you talk about Stewie and you talk about Jewel and you talk about you know some of the other people on this team that is featured by Jewel and Stewie, they're young. So there's player development that's very possible. You can watch a good player become better, and I think that's going to be part of it too. So that all those things said, the crazies can kind of kind of uh, start to get excited a little bit um, and and dream a little bit about the next step that this, this team could take because I'm – I'm sure excited about it, and hopefully I'll get a little sleep as I put a lot of thought into this. But, but I wake up just kind of excited because I, I think this is a, a, a situation that um, could be special, and it's our job to make it special. Dan, do I need to send you some Pearl Jam, Nirvana, or Macklemore get you ready? Yeah, well, absolutely. Now, I I, I will tell you, I was at the rock and roll induction this past year where Pearl Jam went in. I was in Brooklyn, actually. There you go. And I was there. I was there in Pearl Jam. I have met Eddie Vedder. I met him one year, kind of just, he was a very nice man, came up and said hello to me. We, I, I happened to be in the same hotel. Uh, but I'm a big heart fan. And so, and there I know, you go. I know they're, they're based out of that. I love the legacy of Jimi Hendrix. I mean, when, when we 
were concluding coming to Seattle, I popped on Jimi Hendrix at, at Woodstock <laughs> and that, that I just rocked it that night with my wife. She was, she was a little annoyed how loud I had it, but, but, um, no, I, I, I love the music scene there and that's not lost on me, David. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know you're into your music there. Uh, although I do have to remind you that most of your players were born 20 years after Hendrix passed on, so. Well, I'm, I'm hopeful at least Sue knows who he is. You know, if not, you know, my job is basketball, but I also need to make him aware of the legacy of Jimi Hendrix, especially being in Seattle. So that, that, that will be part of the. I'll be interested in seeing if Purple Haze comes out to start for the warm-ups. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I got to tell you the truth. I, I, I wore a Hendrix tie a couple years ago, and, and there, I, I, it was really sad because people kind of looked at my tie, but they didn't necessarily knew who is that coach, you know, so I had to educate them, and I'll, I'll carry the torch on this coming year as well. Sounds good, Dan. Congratulations again. Yeah, you're going to a great city with great fans. You know, they proved their WNBA uh, royalty with the All-Star weekend and such and, and their teams in the past. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to do up there. I am, too. I'm very excited. Thank you, David.